Good evening, everyone. Thanks to David for leading us so far. But during the week, somebody showed me this card because, well, Father's Day is next Sunday, believe it or not. And it's a, a card that hopefully will be on your screens at home. And I'll just read it as well. It says, Dad, have a great Father's Day. Don't have a great Father's Day. Don't go out. Go out and have a good day. Have presents. Don't have presents. Don't go out. And then, of course, there's a drawing or imitation of Boris sitting down, giving this speech with clenched fists. And the card is playing on the great confusion that many thought there was a few weeks ago in the initial stages of easing lockdown. It seemed to many that there was clear but contradictory advice given to go out, but at the same time to not go out. And you could say that there were a lot of mixed messages. And for the world, and maybe for some of you sitting at home watching this this evening, you might think that God sends out mixed messages. You're confused about how God's plan works eternally and in the here and now. We might think from time to time that God's plan is flawed and doesn't make much sense. But God's plan is always unified and united. But if we don't understand it properly, we would potentially be confused and think God is sending out mixed messages. And well, for the believers in Ephesus, they might be thinking exactly that, that God is sending out a mixed message. Why? Well, Paul tells us in the first verse of chapter 3 that he's in prison. God's apostle Paul in prison. They might be thinking this isn't the way it was supposed to be. They might be thinking, how is this all going to work? Surely God's sending out a mixed message because Paul tells us that we can be free, yet he's in prison and far from free. And sometimes in our own lives, we think that when we suffer, something must be wrong. But Paul wants them to not just know the gospel, but he wants them to know also that we serve God through the church for Christ's glory. So let us look at the second half of this first part of chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. And firstly, in verses 7 to 9, being God's servant is a gift of God's grace. And Paul makes that exceptionally clear for us that being a servant is a gift. And he says it in verse 7, as a gift of God's grace, but it's also through the power of God. It is of God's Spirit in Paul. Paul knows that it is only through God's working in him, as David reminded us last week in his conversion on the road to Damascus, and the it's only in God's power and God's will that Paul is a servant of Jesus. And he's been sending that message throughout the letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 1 verse 1, Paul begins, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. In verse 5 of chapter 1, he predestined us to be adopted as sons. Verse 11, in him we were chosen in the chapter 2 and verse 8, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, but it is the gift of God. Chapter 2, verse 
13, we are brought near by the blood of Jesus. And now in chapter 3 and verse 7, that it is given to us through the power of God. Being God's servant is a gift of God's grace. On on BBC television, there is a program, A House Through Time. And the most recent series is A House in Guinea Street in Bristol. And the idea of the program is to live through the people's lives that lived in that house. So we're able to investigate the findings of it. And, well, it was founded on the slave trade, which is incredibly relevant in these days in Bristol. But this house, we travel through, we learn about the people who lived in the house. And after uh, about a century or so, following the characters that lived in the home, we meet a servant, one woman called Heather Gray. And we pick up her story when she is 24 years old. And she has been a a servant in this home for more than 10 years since she was orphaned as a child. And Heather, as a servant, was tasked with everything in the house. Because although the family she served were rich, they weren't rich enough to have more than one servant. So she had to work relentlessly, however. She had to prepare meals to uh, do the washing, cleaning the house, and preparing for the arrival of guests. And then after uh, a number of years serving in that house, Heather gets married. She gives up her job as a servant and leaves the house to set up her own home. She leaves the position of a safe servant And she now, instead of enjoying the living quarters and plentiful supply in that home, she lives in a very poor area of Bristol in slum-like conditions. And there she is beaten by her drunkard husband. She no longer enjoyed the safety and security she previously did as a servant. Her life was never the same. And for many servants, they didn't appreciate the gift that they had as a servant is what many historians reflect upon. And I think that can be us at different times with our walk with Jesus, that at times we do not appreciate the gift of being Christ's servant. Other things entice us away for a short time, but they do not fulfill and they do not satisfy us. And we leave the safety and security of Christ. Whatever our service is, Paul reminds them that it is all the same source, the power of God working within us. And it is all for the same goal, to make Christ known wherever we do and wherever we go. See, Paul's role as God's servant, he tells us in verses 8 and 9, Paul's role as a servant is to preach and to make plain. In verse 8, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then into verse 9, to make plain to everyone the administration of the mystery. Paul's role as a servant is to preach and to make plain. Paul explains to people how through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God is able to forgive sin bring his people near and give eternal riches through Jesus. And through the power of God, Paul was able to communicate. Through the power of God, Paul was able to communicate 
the gospel and write to the churches. Because notice what Paul says here. He says, I am the least. I am the less of the least. I am the bottom of the pile. I am the, the, the lesser of everybody. You see, in the culture in the early centuries after Christ's uh, death and resurrection, in the first century and for the next couple of centuries, the people who were held in highest regard were those who were able to speak eloquently. People like that excelled in society and were lorded over. It was a skill that was desired and admired above all else. And Paul, that is what Paul is doing. He is speaking God's word. He just says, I am just a servant. I am the less of the least. See, Paul is not prideful in his service, is he? And, well, are we prideful in our service to Jesus? Oh, I've served in that ministry for 30 years, and it was never the same after I left, you know. Oh, I've really brought this ministry to the next level. I've brought it into the 21st century. Or I put that all together. I put that program all together, so it did. I, 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 full of pride. Paul was given grace to make Jesus known, to be Christ's faithful servant. And Paul wants to make the unsearchable riches of Christ clear and to make God's plan of salvation plain, that to make the unknown known in Jesus, to make known the riches that await those who trust in Jesus. Because it was always God's plan from eternity to save his people. And Paul has been teaching them the gospel of Jesus that we are sinners in need of a saviour, and that saviour is Jesus. Our sins need a, a blood covering, a sacrifice. There is no one sufficient except Jesus. See, in Jesus, God's salvation plan is made plain. In Jesus, God pours out his wrath. In Jesus, God forgives his people. In Jesus, God rescues his people. In Jesus... God adopts his people. Paul's role is to simply share God's salvation plan in Jesus. To serve Jesus is to share Jesus. And that, to do that is a gift of God's grace. He just had to speak plainly and to preach. Being God's servant is a gift of God's grace. And I think we need to be reminded of that for how often... Do we see service as a chore? How often do you see engaging with others or the prayer meeting as a chore rather than a gift of God's grace? Do you see serving Jesus as a grind or a gift, a burden or a pleasure? See, maybe you see different acts of service to God in a different light, some that are more important than others, but Paul says he's the least. It doesn't matter. Remember, he had tried to destroy the church, but now he is just a servant of God, humble, just serving Jesus. And we are called to be faithful servants of God, whatever capacity we serve, from cleaning to the clerk of session, from pouring tea to preparing to preach, from crash to choir, from youth to looking after our buildings, all 
is a gift of God's grace when we are servants. It's a privilege to serve Jesus. And there is no greater privilege than sharing the good news of Jesus. How do you serve Jesus before lockdown and even now? Is it a grind or a gift to you to serve our Savior? Are you able to continue or become a faithful servant to Jesus by sharing him with others at this time, to pray with God's people and for God's people? Or do you see everything just as a chore to you? If you see it as a chore, repent and pray that prayer we've been learning in Ephesians 3 so that you might know the glory of Christ and serve him willingly, lovingly, and faithfully. Because being God's servant is a gift of God's grace. Secondly, being God's church shows God's wisdom. Verses 10 through to 13. Verse 10, uh, let's read it together. His being God, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Being God's church shows God's wisdom, and well, God's wisdom is multicolored wisdom. See, this word manifold that we have, wisdom of God, it would normally in Greek literature refer to multicolored. So the church shows God's multicolored wisdom. Of course, in the first century and right through, really, even into the Renaissance period, a wide variety of color would denote wealth, status, and prosperity, wouldn't it? And this is often used in Greek literature to describe the intricately embroidered patterns found on extravagant coats. You might even think back to the Old Testament of Joseph's coat, how magnificent it was with all of its colors. Oh, Paul, using this word, is showing that this divine wisdom is incredibly rich, colorful. There are many strands to it. It is rich and, in, in, and full. And Paul wants the church to know that God uses the church to show this incredibly rich, multicolored wisdom. And part of this multicolored wisdom is bringing all together what Paul has already shown them, that God will adopt his children and save them through Jesus, that Jesus breaks down all the barriers so that a Jew and a Gentile can come together and be one, a new people, that part of God's plan is to use people from all kinds of different backgrounds and places all together to praise his name. God's plan to use the local church to share with one another, to share Jesus with the outside world, and even to send people to share Jesus. God's wisdom is to build a holy people for his glory, a redeemed people regardless of our brokenness and our sin and our despair. God chooses to use his church to show his wisdom. Paul says that this Church, this manifold wisdom of God would be made known or should be made known to the richer or the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 
being the, the angels and Satan himself. They are to look at the church of Jesus, just as the world should, and, well, wonder. Wonder how on earth God could do that. How does that work with people and their sin, with their personalities that should clash, all with their differences? Why are they one? Why are they together? How did God do that? God's church shows God's wisdom. God's wisdom is shown in the fellowship we have with one another. It is shown in Ephesus with the Jewish Christian and the Gentile Christian. It is shown in the unity between believers that this hostility is broken. The church makes God's wisdom known to the world and to Satan himself. The devil looks at the church and should see defeat. One commentator puts it this way, a church united in the truth and in love is one of the most powerful displays of all God's glory to all creation. We should therefore strive to bear with one another's feelings and endeavor to study the word together diligently that we might achieve, achieve this aim of biblical unity. And it's just one example of God's multicolored wisdom. The church shows God's wisdom to Satan and to the world. And God's church shows God's wisdom of his eternal purpose as well. God's church shows the wisdom of God's eternal purpose. Paul tells us that this eternal purpose is accomplished in Christ. It is done. It is finished. God's salvation plan set out for us in Genesis 3 is complete. It is done. The victory is won in Jesus. And God's eternal plan will triumph through Christ. And God is using his church to display his glory to the heavens, all according to his eternal purpose. It's all showing God's multicolored wisdom that he would be gathering a redeemed people to himself to save his people individually. His eternal purpose was to save us individually, but then also be building us together into the bride of Jesus. And then thirdly, Paul wants us to see that part of God's wisdom is that as a church, we can approach God. The church has access to God with freedom and confidence, Paul says. However we feel, ill, tired, stressed, sinful, weak, or heartbroken, we can approach God through Jesus with freedom and confidence. It's because of Jesus that we can approach. He is the reason for our freedom and the reason for our confidence that we are one of God's children through him. So we are welcomed with open arms. The church shows God's wisdom in this because we can approach God. We know our lives aren't dictated by fate or luck, but rather we can approach the throne room and pray. We can ask God to help us personally, others, the situations we find ourselves in and the world finds ourselves in. 
And it's through the cross that we have this access that we can come with freedom. We can ask what we want in His will and with confidence. The gospel gives us access to the sovereign ruler. And Paul says, this is a privilege. You, through Jesus, have the privilege of coming to the one who is on his throne. And then being God's church shows God's wisdom. So do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Paul, in verse 13, amazingly describes that his current suffering in a prison cell somewhere is for your glory. For the church in Ephesus, for your glory. It shows them the lengths Paul was willing to go, to go through for them, which is just simply a reflection of how far Christ was willing to go for us. Paul says, I suffer for your glory, that you might have and receive the good news. Of course, there are many others who have suffered and sacrificed because they wanted to share the good news of Jesus. And Paul is willing to suffer for the sake of Jesus. He says this again in Philippians chapter 3, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And then Peter says something similar in 1 Peter 4, as he writes to a severely persecuted church. This is what Peter says, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. See, are you really willing to suffer for Jesus' glory? When we see others suffering, suffering because they have stood up for Jesus, it can be easy for us to be brought down and to lose heart. Satan can attack us in that way and make us doubt and fret and fear. And at those times we lament. I don't know what our society has turned into. I can't believe it has reached this point. Or I can't believe they're being punished for their beliefs in this day and age. It can be easy to lose heart. But Paul says, don't be discouraged or don't lose heart. Why? Well, verse 13, he begins, I ask you, therefore... We look back at what Paul has already said in this letter, especially the last 12 verses. We can approach God with freedom and confidence. Therefore, do not lose heart. God uses his church to show his wisdom, so don't lose heart. Being God's servant is a gift of God's grace, so don't lose heart. Other chapters, we are citizens of heaven, so we have no need to lose heart. We are chosen and adopted by God, so we don't lose heart. For Paul, he wanted to share that there wasn't any need for them to be so discouraged by his imprisonment. It's all part of God's eternal plan. It's not as if the church was going to crumble without Paul being there. And as Paul faced suffering for Jesus, as many in the early church did, we ourselves should be facing a degree of suffering when we are following Jesus. When we live out our faith, we should at times face hardship. Just as Jesus experienced hardship in his earthly ministry, we too will be hated and should be hated. 
And it goes all the way back to the garden where God said there'd be enmity, that the offspring of the woman, God's people, and the offspring of the serpent, Satan's people, would constantly be in conflict with one another. And what will that suffering be for us? What does that look like for us? Well, as Christians, it totally depends where we are, doesn't it? If you are in Africa or Asia, it might cost you your life. But what about here? It might mean for us losing some business. It might mean losing some friends, being mocked for our faith in Jesus and ridiculed. But we do not need to be discouraged when we suffer or others suffer. Not because we avoid it or not because we ignore the pain that it causes for us and for others. But we trust in God's eternal purposes set out before the foundation of the world. Because suffering for Jesus shows we love Jesus and shows our faith to be genuine. So though we might suffer and others might suffer, we do not need to lose heart because we know how it's all going to end. And we are on the path to eternal glory and riches in Christ. Every time you are hurt for the gospel, every time we feel discouraged by someone else suffering for the sake of Jesus, every time someone remains loyal to Jesus but is hurt, let us remember we do not need to be discouraged. We do not need to lose heart because we know that our hearts are secure because God loves us through his son, Jesus. With all that God is doing, will do, and has done, we do not need to lose heart. Because with God, there are no mixed messages. Because who other than the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise God would have thought of producing glory out of suffering, the glory out of the suffering of his own son, where he experienced human pain on the cross, yet he experienced the very wrath of God, the punishment of our sin. What suffering, what pain, how ugly, yet we see glory. Who would look to the cross and see glory but our God and us who have faith in Jesus? God's name will be glorified, always will be glorified. And we know when we share in his sufferings, we also will share in his glory. Thelma Howard was employed as a cleaner for many, many years. And every year her boss gave her a Christmas card. And in the Christmas card, she would undo the envelope, open the card, and paper would fall out. And often, much to her disappointment, the paper was never, never money. And with these pieces of paper, she didn't quite know what they were or what they were for. So she just put them in a, a little box and stored them all up in a way. She had done that for many years. And after she had passed away, her family were going through her things and discovered this box with all these pieces of paper in them. See, Thelma, she served Walt Disney. And every Christmas, Walt Disney gave her pieces of paper that were shares in the Disney company. 
And she never knew exactly what they were. He wasn't playing with her. He just gave, her to, gave them to her. And her family, on opening the box, discovered there were millions of dollars worth of shares for the company. Incalculable riches right before their very eyes. We need to make plain the riches of Jesus. For many it is under their nose, but it needs explained to them. They need to share in that. We need to share Jesus. We need to be servants who serve our master Jesus plainly and willingly and faithfully. Being God's servant is a gift of God's grace because of Jesus' cross. And being God's church is the wisdom of God, just like the cross of Jesus.